1: And you're on Right Now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. You can find us on demand on Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, just about everywhere you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Right Now Jim Dawes or email me at RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. If you'd like to participate in the broadcast you can call in at 772-245-0750 that's 772-245-0750 leave your voicemail on that line if you've got an interesting question or comment that's relevant to the topic we'll use your call on a future show always like to welcome the listeners over there at mojo 50 radio network and on iheartradio Great to be back with the conservative cartel and Ron Phillips over there at Mojo. So everybody is indignant and worked into a frenzy over this travesty of justice in Chicago where Jesse Smollett has been allowed to walk. The, the deal that let him uh, skate has all of the hallmarks of a backroom um, uh Deal that uh, you know is just at this point uh, reserved for the very privileged few in our society. And Jesse Smollett certainly checked all of the privileged boxes. He's a protected minority. He's homosexual. He's a left-wing um, activist, and he is a cultural Marxist. And in Chicago, There was no way in hell that he was ever going to be held to account for this reverse hate crime. You know, we talk a lot about reverse racism. It's actually just racism. But this would uh, fall in that same category. It's a reverse hate hate crime that is, in fact, just an actual hate crime. Jesse Smollett put together a hoax, hired people to uh, pretend to assault him. And cover him with bleach and put a noose around his neck, so he could report that uh, angry white MAGA supporters uh, assaulted him at 2 a.m. in the morning in sub-zero temperatures while he was just going out for a subway sandwich. And uh, I got to tell you, I'm not uh, I'm not angry about this at all. I've gotten used to this sort of uh, travesty of justice when it comes to. Uh, Marxists that uh, convit, com, com, um, commit these sort of crimes in uh, marxist' strongholds you recall eric clanton the the uh, college professor that was attacking people with a bike lock out there in Berkeley, California, had him on video cracking somebody 's head open with a bike lock. They drugged that out, uh, and when it finally came time for his day in court. Uh, They let him walk with um, some community service. Now, this was an assault and battery with a deadly weapon. He very well could have killed this guy. And they had him on video actually assaulting several people with this bike lock. But that one case in particular where the the young man was uh, kneeled in the street trying to um, agitate for uh, peace and calm. And Clanton uh, snuck out from the crowd. And crack this guy over the head. But that's not the only case. Uh, This this sort of travesty occurs again and again in these strongholds like Portland and Berkeley, New York City, Chicago. Where these left-wing cultural Marxist activists commit these outrageous crimes. And then are uh, just allowed to get away with it if they're ever arrested. It's certainly... uh, Demoralizing to the police force that are out there trying to enforce the law. The other case I was trying to think of was in Oakland, California, where that uh, elementary school teacher and the uh, the activist in by whatever means necessary, bam, uh, was caught assaulting uh, someone on videotape. Uh, she uh, she uh, uh, too was not held to account. And I was saying from the very beginning of this, Jesse Smollett hate hoax, that he would never be held to account either. But I got to tell you, I'm quite surprised at the brazen way they did it. Normally, they drag these things out for months and months so that by the time um, they allow these uh, left-wing activists, protected class, privileged people to skate, the uh, initial public interest has sort of died down and, uh, um, you know, he's allowed to proceed on his way. But the way they did this one was just breathtaking in its audacity. Uh first of all, they they called a special hearing before the judge and and then the the uh district attorney in Chicago, the state's attorney just dismissed all charges. Didn't ha- didn't negotiate a plea deal. Didn't um actually demand a conviction or a plea on a misdemeanor or anything just to you know sully up the perpetrator's record a little bit he just dropped all charges and then in some sort of um, legal gymnastics that I still don't understand they kept Smollett's ten thousand uh, dollar bond and had him do 18 hours of community service now how you can Dismiss charges and still deprive somebody of uh, property, the $10,000, is a legal anomaly. And what I think is going on there is they're protecting Jesse Smollett from ever being brought up on these charges again because now he can claim that that would be double jeopardy. So not only does he get his charges dropped and his record expunged. But now he's got the warm blanket of protection of double jeopardy so that they can never, an honest prosecutor could never step in and hold him to account. And on top of all that, the judge in this case, who I have no doubt was part of this corruption, sealed the records so that no one could ever look into this. And, uh, and find out all of the evidence that was assembled by the Chicago Police Department against Jesse Smollett. The prosecutor in this case admits that his name is Joseph Maggot, which is a, a perfect name for somebody that would pull some stuff like this. Admitted that, uh, that Smollett was guilty, that they had all the evidence they needed to convict him. And yet, he still dropped the charges. Here, here he is stating his justification.
2: Does dropping the charges vindicate him? No. Does it exonerate him? No. Do you believe that he is innocent?
1: I do not believe he's innocent.
2: So you believe he's guilty? Yes. So why drop
1: the charges? Based on all the facts and circumstances, based on his like a criminal background. I mean, we defer or do alternative prosecutions. In the last two years, we've done it on 5,700 other felony cases. Well, he didn't defer prosecution. A deferred prosecution is where uh, they gives they put somebody on probation for a period of time, and if they they keep their nose clean, then they drop the charges. they didn't defer a prosecution here, because they know if they had deferred prosecution on this crime, which was outrageous, that someone would have stepped in and insisted that they uh, they prosecute him. They didn't. Um, they didn't plea a deal. They didn't do anything. They just dropped the charges, sealed the records, and then took $10,000 from them, which is chump change to this wealthy uh, celebrity so that he could have the protections of double jeopardy. So what's going on here? What in the hell is going on here? Well, I'll tell you exactly what's going on here, and people may not realize it. But Chicago, and Chicago politics especially, is a nest of left-wing, radical communist activism. And Jesse Smollett grew up in the bosom of that milieu out there. Um, his mother is a, uh, a radical act- activist, um, Janet Harris Smollett. And one of the fixtures in Jesse's house growing up was Janet Davis, the radical communist Black Panther who was once, I guess it was back in the 70s, was on the uh, FBI's 10 most wanted list for murder and activism. She's now a college professor, as is her partner in crime, Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn they have taken their uh, Marxist ideology into academia where uh, it resides these days. But Smollett even, even uh, acknowledged that uh, Janet Davis was a fixture in her house. And I'll, uh, I'll go one step further. I'll tie this all the way back to, The 44th president of the United States, Barack Obama, who grew up here or who uh, who based his his political uh, maturation here. He obviously grew up in Hawaii and his mentor growing up. And he makes references to this in his book, Dreams of My Father, in a sort of cryptic way, but it's, uh, it's quite obvious, was Frank Marshall Davis a communist Chicago or a Chicago communist organizer who moved to Hawaii to begin his communist organizing out there. He was actually Barack Obama's father. Anybody that believes that the Kenyan goat herder was Barack Obama's father just has not looked at a side-by-side picture of Barack Obama and uh, Frank Marshall Davis. But um, Frank Marshall Davis was... Obama's ideological mentor growing up, and as soon as um, Obama graduated from his affirmative action um, education, beginning at Pepperdine University and then going to Columbia and I think it was Yale, Yale or Harvard, he followed Frank Marshall Davis's footsteps right into Chicago and became a community organizer. So the original district attorney, uh, the state's attorney for Cook County, uh, had to recuse herself from this uh, prosecution early on because it was found out that Michelle Obama's former chief of staff, what is her name? It'll come to me in a second, was texting back and forth with uh, the district attorney of Cook County, And asking her that she uh, remove this case from the local police and give it to uh, the local office of the FBI. I have no doubt that they wanted this to happen because they probably had people in that FBI office that they could count on to not get to the bottom of it. But she had to recuse herself. And then this Joseph maggot he waits just a few weeks And drops all the charges, seals the case, expunges his record, takes $10,000 from him so he can have the protections of double jeopardy. And now the, the police department out there is totally humiliated and demoralized because they did a good job getting to the bottom of this hate crime hoax. And uh, and as I say, I'm not terribly upset about this because it just reminds people, keeps it in the front of their mind exactly uh, what is going on with the two-tier justice system that we've developed in this country, where you have certain privileged classes based on race and orientation and political ideologies. And then the rest of us, like, uh, like Roger Stone and uh, George Papadopoulos and uh, Carter Page, that are left at the tender mercies of uh, of these um, establishment prosecutors like uh, like Bob Mueller that uh, are going to go out and drop a ton, ton of bricks on them for misspeaking during an interview. Smollett, far from being contrite or remorseful, after getting let off for his obvious crime, is uh, walked, marched right outside of the courtroom and declared his innocent and said, he's got to get back to the movement. The movement he's talking about in this clip I'm about to play you is the cultural Marxist movement.
3: I want you to know that not for a moment was it in vain. I've been truthful and consistent on every single level since day one. I would not be my mother's son if I was capable of one drop of what I've been accused of.
1: Well, he would not be his mother's son. His mother, um, being a, a radical communist, Janet Harris Smollett. She was mentored by Julian Bond, a communist party member, and one of the founders of the Southern Poverty Law Center. Had many, many ties to communist front groups. Bobby Seale, Huey Newton, Angela Davis, the whole bunch. I referred to her as Janet Davis earlier. I apologize for that. As Angela Davis, Black Panther member, wanted for murder back in the uh, 1970s, murder and kidnapping, card-carrying member of the Communist Party. I'm going to start this clip of Jesse Smollett over again.
3: I want you to know that not for a moment was it in vain. I've been truthful and consistent on every single level since day one. I would not be my mother's son if I was capable of one drop of what I've been accused of. This has been an incredibly difficult time, honestly one of the worst of my entire life. But I'm a man of faith, and I'm a man that has knowledge of my history, and I would not bring my family, our lives, or the movement through a fire like this.
1: The reason he can go to the microphones and lie like this is because they worked out a deal where they sealed his records. So all of the investigative work that was done by the Chicago PD is now being hidden from public view. And you could never ever get away with something like that if the judge wasn't in on this, this miscarriage of justice. Just winning.
3: So I wanna thank my legal counsel from the bottom of my heart. And I would also like to thank the state of Illinois for attempting to do what's right. I'd like nothing more than to just get back to work and move on with my life, but make no mistakes. I will always continue to fight for the justice, equality, and betterment of marginalized people everywhere. So again, thank you for all the support. Thank you for faith and thank you to God bless y'all. Thank you very much.
1: So he's going to get back to the movement. He's going to get back to forwarding the narrative, the cultural Marxist narrative, as he was when he engaged in this fake hoax, hate crime. And one of the interesting aspects of all of this is that this emergency hearing before the judge, where they just dropped everything, took place while the mayor of Chicago, Rahm Emanuel, former uh, fixer for Barack Obama, was uh, hosting a police academy recruit class graduation. I think they were, uh, they were swearing in like 240 Chicago police officers. So the timing there is pretty interesting. While Rahm Emanuel's over swearing in some police officers, having some really good uh, optics, these, um, these radicals uh, that have infested Chicago's government are over there concocting a backroom deal in order to let Jesse Smollett off. And Emanuel claims that he knew nothing about this and walked out of the ceremony and took to the microphones and condemned it, called it a whitewash, used some very strong language, and he used some, uh, some more strong language on CNN last night uh, when he sat down with Wolf Blitzer.
4: Just, but did new questions that, arise uh, in the subsequent they, weeks they, uh, from more evidence state, that might not, be out there? That's not, what the, that's not what the state's attorney just said today. They said, in fact, the police did a good job and the evidence holds up. And he actually did uh, commit the hoax. They're saying $10,000 and two days of community service is good enough. And, I'm, and I don't believe, not only is it not good enough, especially when he's walking around thinking that he is actually innocent, not guilty, and B, he's innocent not, on a, not only legally and a criminal justice sense, he is also guilty, in my view, of a moral crime, which is to use the hate crimes to advance his own career for selfish reasons. And that to me is where there's a moral violation and a rip because he went out and spoke on ABC to the country. As an African-American and a gay man about being a victim of a crime. And then what comes forward and what we actually now know to be the case and even the state's attorney today acknowledge is the fact
1: that that was all a hoax. So, You know, Rob Emanuel is saying all the right things, but we're led to believe that Rob Emanuel, Rahm Emanuel, the the mayor of Chicago and uh, close, close Obama confidant knew nothing of this. And it just happened to happen. They just happened to announce this while he was surrounded by police recruits uh, graduating at the academy. Count me skeptical. I don't believe it. I believe that he was all part of this. Uh, uh, David Axelrod, former uh, chairman of Obama's election campaign, also uh, condemned all of this. I don't believe it. I believe that they were—they knew what was going on. That the deal was going to uh, to be made, and I believe that they wanted plausible deniability so that they could uh, distance themselves from this obvious travesty of justice i've got a clip here of a a, a former prosecutor in case you just think i'm a, a layman i don't know what the hell i'm talking about why are we listening to jim dawes about all of this Here's a former prosecutor on uh shepherd smith show i've cut all of the part of the clip of Shepard smith out because he doesn't have anything to say that i'm interested in hearing but this prosecutor made some good points
5: People argue about the differences and disparities in race in terms of incarceration and things of that nature. I have always said it is about green dollars, money, power, influence that's making these decisions. Because there are many poor minorities right now who are charged with minor marijuana offenses that have records for the rest of their lives and go to jail. What he did here was put a hoax that put police in danger, the community in danger, the minority community was very upset about this, and understandably so, ratcheted up racial tension, an ongoing conspiracy with multiple individuals to fool the public, to fool the police, lied repeatedly to the police, that guy gets off with this, gets this kiss. It's a disgrace. And the fact, I'll tell you as a prosecutor that the police department isn't even apprised of this prior to the decision being made. And they find out about it on the media. That's not how prosecutors and police operate, Shep. I can tell you that to a certainty.
1: Well, that might not be how they operate in a uh, uh, an honest town, a town that still values the rule of law. But that's how they operate in Chicago and Portland and Oakland and Berkeley and New York. That's exactly how they operate. And what really, one of the things that went on here behind the scenes was two weeks ago, it was discovered that um, Tina Chin, who is Michelle Obama's former chief of staff, texted the Cook County state's attorney, her name's Kim Fox, just three days after the incident and and texted her, and imagine how, how uh, brazen this is, saying that on behalf of Jeff C. Smollett and the family, who I know, she wants the case moved out of the Chicago PD, where they were starting to get too close to the truth, and transferred over to the FBI, where there was probably some Obama loyalists there that they could count on to botch the investigation or, or uh, sweep it under the rug. And then Kim Fox texted back to um, Tina Chin and said that they had made the request from the chief of police in Chicago, to which the reply was, oh, my God, that would be a huge victory. So all of this, you know, would would uh, lead you to believe that a, a competent investigator would, uh, would follow up. But... Um, all we can hope for now is that the Fed step in and hold him accountable for the uh, mail fraud that he uh, committed related to this crime. He sent himself threatening letters. And I can tell you that U.S. Postal Service inspectors don't take this stuff lightly. So somebody in the Department of Justice needs to be saying, we got to redeem the rule of law in Chicago and at least hold him accountable on these federal charges, for which I think he can get up to 10 years. Well, uh, we're going to run out to a break, listen to the, some crash commercial messages. And when we come back, we're going to look at the, um, the Democrat presidential candidates and their radical prescriptions for, uh, for the 2020 campaign. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
6: Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top.
1: You're back. on right now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Man, I just want to finish up, uh, this coverage of the Jesse Smollett travesty by playing a clip to you that just will illustrate just how dishonest CNN is. And what a pure idiot. Their media critic over there, Brian Stetler is. He's, um, you know, when, when this whole story originally broke, CNN was one of the first to trumpet this, uh, hate crime narrative that fit right into their ideological, um, motivations over there at CNN. And, uh, and you had old Don Lamont over there in the evening, texting back and forth with Jesse Smollett, uh, declaring, you know, his solidarity as a, A gay black man with this awful, awful hate crime that both of these privileged, rich um, victims, as they like to see themselves, um, you know, could commiserate with. So Brian Stetler drops, uh, trots forward after this, this travesty was announced in that courtroom in Cook County, Illinois. And he, oh, he just didn't know what to think. I, oh, I'm just, I'm just confused now. I, I thought they had a case. Never mind the fact that you know we actually saw the check that uh, Smollett wrote to the brothers. Uh, never mind the fact that uh, they had calls bef- both before, right before, and after the hate crime hoax. Never mind the fact that we had them on video tape buying the implements to pursue this. And never mind the fact that they had them all on, you know, the the Nigerian brothers on tape admitting uh, that Jesse Smollett had paid them to do this and that they had, in fact, rehearsed the whole hate crime before they actually um, perpetrated it. Brian Stetler just didn't know what to make of all this.
2: Uh, the Fox network, the studio, the Empire cast and crew all, all had his back, supported him very strongly. Uh, th- that continued as it became a mystery about what happened and oh, it's whether a mystery. he had made this up. The network continued to support him, but started to pull back a little bit in those public statements. Uh, right now, there's no new comment from Fox. But this is a key part of the story, Nia, because uh, I, I do think he just wants to get back to work. That's what a, a friend of Smollett just said to me.
1: Oh, he just wants to get back to work. If he could just get back to work and get back to leading the movement on behalf of half of marginalized people it would all be great says brian stetler
2: he wants to act he wants to get back to work he had actually been taken off two of the episodes of empire his his future uh, as a hollywood actor has been in limbo for the past few weeks so his lawyers have been trying to get to this point so that he can return to work
1: he just wants to return to work oh i forgot to mention you know he did pay a little bit more of his debt to society because in uh, between Friday and the Monday, where they released his charges, he did eighteen hours of community service at the Rainbow at Jesse Jackson's Rainbow Push offices. So, oh my God, the the the, the drudgery he must have gone through. Well, what did he do over there? Well, he he stuffed some envelopes. He gave a critique of one of their videos. Uh, promotional videos, and he helped with uh, some some musical thing to do with the uh, Rainbow Push. So he runs over there to Jesse Jackson's Rainbow Push offices, spends a couple of days over there, and then the prosecutor in Cook County, Joseph Maggett, says, "Oh well, you know he's 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 committed. He's uh, performed community service. I can tell you, you get." More than 18 hours worth of community service for littering in most uh, jurisdictions in this country. But back to the uh, the lunatic over there at CNN, Brian Stetler.
2: Two of the episodes of Empire, his his future uh, as a Hollywood actor has been in limbo for the past few weeks. So his lawyers have been trying to get to this point so that he can return to work. Uh, so far, no comment from the network. But I do think we will see Smollett get back to work uh, because the, the narrative has once again changed from victim, uh, you know, to villain back to victim. It's been very confusing, as, as Ryan was
1: saying. Oh, it's so confusing. We don't know if he's a victim or not. Maybe maybe he is a victim. Maybe he is a villain. Maybe he's a victim. Well, we just, we're just confused.
2: Uh, people don't know what to believe, and we may never really know what happened on the street that night in Chicago. Uh, but for his fans, for his friends, this is a triumphant moment uh, that he can now get back to what he wants to do, which is work.
1: We may never really know. Is it really in any doubt? Is this man over there at CNN really so uncritical that he's looked at all the evidence that has has come flowing, just cascading down in the last few weeks and just doesn't know what to believe? It is quite obvious to anybody with any sense what happened here. Jesse Smollett got let off through a corrupt backroom deal because he's well-connected with the Obamas, and the communist politicians there in Cook County, Illinois, including Kim Fox, who, oh by the way, her election for Cook County District Attorney was was largely funded. Over half of the funds, four hundred and something thousand dollars, were provided by George Soros. But Brian Stetler just can't figure it out. We we may never know what happened on that street in Chicago. We know exactly what happened, and this is going to be um, burned in the consciousness of the American people when they see this two-tier justice system, one for protected uh, members of the radical left-wing cultural Marxists, and the other for normal um, Americans who don't uh, enjoy this uh, this protection. So something really interesting happened in the Senate. Uh, you probably remember that Mitch McConnell promised shortly after Ocasio-Cortez and Ed Markey uh, put forward this Green New Deal legislation that was uh, almost immediately signed on to by about 50, uh, what well, no, it was 40... Forty-seven senators signed on to this legislation. You'll remember the legislation required that uh, we we stop all use of fossil fuels, that we um, provide everybody with healthy and nutritious meals, that we, uh, except for beef because we have to get rid of the farting cows, and that we provide a uh, uh, an income to people who are unable or unwilling to work. So they all signed on to this radical deal, apparently without reading it, because when, once you read it, it almost came off as a, uh, a farce, um, some sort of joke. As a matter of fact, when people started commenting on it, at one point, uh representatives of Ocasio-Cortez in fact claimed it was a joke before they they determined that no, this was not a joke. These were the act- this was the actual legislation that appeared on Ocasio Cortez's website and now old Mitch McConnell has uh, yesterday put this forward for a vote on the floor of the Senate and guess what? Despite the fact that forty three Democrats co-sponsored the legislation. not a single one of them voted in favor. So we're to the point now where Ocasio Cortez is driving this uh, this agenda for the Democrat Party, and they're all lining up behind her and expressing support for these radical, unworkable, ridiculous, Marxist, Policies, and then when they get a chance to vote on it, they all go running for the hills. I want to just play you a little montage uh, uh, surrounding all of this.
2: Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio Cortez rolling out the Green New Deal, which many critics are calling a pipe dream. The progressive left is lining up to back a litmus test on the left.
5: 67 Democrats signed on to the Green New Deal.
1: I support a Green New Deal.
7: The Green New Deal, I would vote yes. Does the Green New Deal go too far? No. Uh, It's a set of goals uh, unlikely to be put up for a vote in the Senate, which is controlled by uh, Republicans. I say, go for it.
5: Bring it on.
4: We will, of course, uh, give our Democratic friends who've been advocating this proposal an opportunity to uh, debate it and vote on it on the Senate floor. We're going to find out just who in Congress supports it.
7: Isn't this great for Green New Deal supporters? You get a vote. Um, Republicans and some Democrats feel that it's uh, fairly unrealistic. It's not ready for prime time, and they think that it's a potentially embarrassing vote. This is going to be a very difficult debate for Democrats who now have to decide what to do. There's
5: no way to pay for it. Oh, it's impractical. Oh, it's too expensive. What in the heck
4: is this? It's a dream.
7: Um, they're talking about all voting present, potentially a Democrat, Ed Markey, who issued a statement really blasting Pushing this forward.
4: I never heard a senator complain about his bill being brought up on the Senate floor. They always complain the bills are not being brought up on the Senate floor.
5: I say, go for it. Bring it on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, one of the hardest things when you're sponsoring legislation is actually to get it out of committee, get it onto the floor, debate it, and get a vote. And to his great credit, Mitch McConnell gave the Democrats exactly what they said they wanted. Every one of the senators uh, that are running for the 2020 Democrat presidential nomination endorsed the Green New Deal. Every single one of them. And most of the Democrat senators were co-sponsors of the legislation. But when it came time to vote on it, they knew it was so out of step with the interests of the American people and would do so much damage and was in fact such a ridiculous policy proposal that not a single one of them voted for it. And this is this is what happens when you allow um, a 28-year-old Democrat socialist, self declared socialist, to drive your party um, right off the cliff and out of step with the American people. Here is Miss Ocasio Cortez Ayok herself. uh, Just a little montage I put together from, from her rantings on one of the committees that she sits.
6: One year ago, I was waitressing in a taco shop in downtown Manhattan. I just got health insurance for the first time a month ago. This is not an elitist issue. This is a quality of life issue. People are dying they're dying and the response across the other side of the aisle is to introduce an amendment 5 minutes before a hearing and a markup this is serious this should not be a partisan issue this is about our constituents and all of our lives iowa nebraska broad swaths swaths of the midwest are drowning right now underwater and we're here i don't think so i don't think so this is about our lives this is about american lives and it should not be partisan. Science should not be partisan. This, we are facing a national crisis. And if we do not ascend to that crisis, we do not ascend to the, to, to the levels in which we were threatened at the Great Depression, when we were threatened in World War II. If we do not ascend to those levels, then I don't know what we're here doing.
1: I don't know what we're here doing. She certainly does not know what we're here doing. This poor child, this poor child, a a result of Boston University, where they conferred upon her an economics degree, put together this Green New Deal, had Ed Markey over at the Senate put it together in a piece of legislation, tried it, and then Mitch McConnell put it out on the floor, and they all had to run and hide under their desks because it was so embarrassing. But this is what happens when you uh, when you turn your party over to uh, a Democrat socialist that was educated in a modern university.
6: One year ago, I was waitressing in a taco shop in downtown Manhattan. Then I don't know what we're here doing.
1: I don't know what we're here doing. You certainly do not know what you're there doing. But let me tell you, Ocasio-Cortez is not alone among the Democrats in making just ridiculous proposals. And to a very, very large degree, their their whole field of candidates for twenty twenty for the presidential nomination. Let's see how many are there at this point? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, about fifteen declared so far, are all on board with a radical agenda because they don't dare take a position at a step with the, uh, the far left socialist cultural Marxist wing of their party. You've probably heard over the last couple of weeks how they've lined up behind getting rid of the electoral college. The electoral college was designed by our founders to hold this, um, this federation of States, this Republic together. They're angry because you know they've turned California and New York into a lesser degree Illinois into these one party socialist bastions and uh and you know Republicans don't bother to go uh, campaign there anymore, and the Democrats can't hardly show their faces in the heartland of the or the South in this country, so they just want to be able to win these elections uh by uh by taking. California, New York, Illinois, Massachusetts, and and calling it a day. And I've got a clip here. This is Tammy Bruce explaining better than I can why the uh, Electoral College is important and and why the what the founders had in mind to begin with.
7: Would go to the person who is the winner of the uh, popular vote. In the country, the reason the founders—now that's a direct democracy—and the the founders didn't want that for a very specific reason, because then the entire country becomes effectively held hostage by a region or two. They knew that there would be a bigger population in major urban areas of, perhaps, of course, uh, within the capitals at the time. uh, But they've also saw, of course, through Europe, uh, that you could have what's known as a tyranny of the majority and with majorities living in particular areas. The reason the Electoral College matters is because every state has to have skin in the game. Every state has to believe and understand and genuinely matter when it comes to who is going to become president so that they feel represented as well. With the Electoral College, you actually really do have to appeal to every state. Ask Hillary Clinton about that. Hillary Clinton felt that she was entitled to the uh, election, that she should win, and so she didn't think she needed even bother going to Wisconsin. Imagine if you had then people just concentrating in California and New York, buying television ads that would affect the major population areas, not even needing to bother to care about what the Dakotas think, or what Kansas thinks, or what Iowa thinks. Or what New Hampshire thinks, right? As as an individual state, so this is why the Electoral College matters, and and, and the the importance not just of the the sensibility of every uh, state and its uh, its people uh, being treated equally.
1: And I'll tell you another insidious aspect of this effort by the Democrats to abolish the Electoral College: the number of electors that uh, currently are assigned to the states is based on the census. And the census has been counting illegal aliens for apportionment um, going back two census cycles. So all of these um, congressional districts and, and uh, electoral votes assigned to California and New York include large numbers of illegal aliens because they've made themselves sanctuary states and offered benefits and driver's licenses, and in some cases, health care and welfare benefits for illegal aliens. And they've got them voting. Don't doubt it for a second. They are signing them up to vote, and that's why they resist any sort of effort to try to clean up the voter rolls or really look at uh, election fraud. Here's a clip, just a short clip, of Elizabeth Warren in Mississippi trying to convince these gullible idiots that they ought to support getting rid of the Electoral College. If if they did, you would never see another presidential candidate back in the sparsely populated state of Mississippi ever again.
7: My view is that every vote matters. And the way we can make that happen... is that we can have national voting and that means get rid of the electoral college and
1: everybody. almost almost every almost every one of the presidential candidates on the democrat side support scrapping the electoral college but it doesn't stop there they're all on board with this move for reparations as well they want to They want to take money from people who never owned or benefited from slavery, and they want to give it to people who never were slaves. And have no doubt about it, there were black people that were slave owners in this country. I think I saw a a statistic one time that there were 35, uh, I can't remember, but there were were over 10,000 slaves in this country that were owned by other blacks. There were Indian tribes that owned slaves. But there's nobody alive today that was ever a slave. And the truth of the matter is, the blacks that are in this country, while their ancestors paid a terrible price, their descendants are the most prosperous and free blacks on the face of the earth. So they benefited greatly by the fact that they're Their ancestors were brought here as slaves. But there are, uh, I think, reparations. Yeah, a full two-thirds, 10 of the 15 um, candidates, Democrat candidates, have signed on to reparations. And the others aren't saying no. They're just keeping their head down on the issue because they know how absurd it is. The Democrats are also talking about packing the Supreme Court. It really bugs them. That Donald Trump uh, is appointing all of these these judges and that now the uh, conservatives hold a solid majority on the Supreme Court. That's if you count Roberts, which I'm not yet convinced that Roberts isn't going to morph into the next um, Kennedy as the swing vote. But they want to add enough seats to the Supreme Court if they uh, take the White House so that they can sweep away uh, the conservative majority that the Republicans were able to put in. So let's see, we've got reparations, we've got the Green Room Deal, we've got uh, eliminating the uh, Electoral College, we've got packing the Supreme Court. Oh, and they want Medicare for all. They don't tell you that the people that are in that are uh, on Medicare now paid into that program their entire lives. They just want to open it up to everybody. Twenty trillion dollar budget deficit or budget debt be damned. Less than 10 years after they passed Obamacare. They're all now arguing for full blown single payer government health care. Not a, one of them have put out a proposal that they can actually pay for. But most of them are saying that they're, they're all for it. Medicare for all, free tuition for all. They don't tell you that the private health insurance that you enjoy now, the vast majority of the citizens of this country, they would lose that. They'd be down at the local gov- government health clinic. Which, if you if you want to imagine what that would look like, just take a, a, a trip down to your local DMV today, and instead of um, you know having Blue Cross Blue Shield or Kaiser or United Healthcare, they would be at the tender mercies of the government to 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 get their health insurance. Okay, what? Oh, oh, lower the voting age. Oh yeah. <laughs> this one is is really unbelievable they want to lower the voting age to 16 years old now when you're 16 years old you don't know your butt from a hole in the ground and this idea has been backed by none other than uh, house speaker nancy pelosi san fran nan and it just shows you the lengths to which they will go to to throw the country away if they think it will benefit them politically you had a guy. You had a, a, an idiot Republican from Texas on Tucker Carlson's show last night supporting this this deal. And his point, his big selling point was it wasn't going to pass anyway, so I might as well support it. If you've ever had a sixteen year old child, you know the you you really rather they raise the driving age to eighteen, but you certainly don't want these people, these uh, kids making decisions about important issues of national security and. And, um, and economic policy. They're too, well, they're, they're not educated yet. They're going through adolescence. I mean, it's literally, they're, they're incompetent. That's why their parents are responsible for their actions. The idiot Republican that was on, uh, Tucker's show last night said, well, they're, they're paying taxes if they work. Well, Okay. If they, were, if they were 10 years old and they had a lawn mowing business, if they make over $2,500, they're supposed to pay taxes, too. Do we let 10-year-olds vote? Some illegal aliens are paying taxes on stolen Social Security cards. Do we let them vote, too? Paying taxes has never been the, the standard by which you um, allow people to vote. I guess that's uh, actually not true. Taxation without representation. But a 16-year-old is not competent to vote, and anybody with any common sense knows that. They want to get rid of the death penalty. They've already done that in uh, California, and uh, and the former governor of Colorado, John Hickenlooper, along with Kamala Harris, said they would not. Uh, they would they would get rid of the death penalty. They want a uh, oh, oh, a big one is uh, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand. She wants Social Security for illegal immigrants. And while I guess that would stop them, uh, the illegal immigrants from, uh, you know, stealing people's Social Security numbers, the Social Security system is already in a terrible mess. And it would just encourage further illegal immigration that is costing this country over $150 billion a year. They want a wealth tax. They want to, not not income. They want to just find out what you're worth and take a, a 2% of that every year. That's uh, that's Elizabeth Warren's right idea. Oh, and old Beto, don't forget Beto. He wants to tear down the border wall. All of them want to abolish ICE. And this new up-and-comer for the Democratic Party, Andrew Yang, he wants to give everybody a basic universal income regardless of their willingness to work for it man it is going to be an interesting interesting presidential campaign that's about all for today's edition of America First Radio On, and thank you for joining us invite you back here again tomorrow for another edition until then take care
0: Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more.